can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 216 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It's the Sunday edition. I am Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? It's not going well. Why not? Well, What's we are wrong? recording this during Sunday night, and, uh, and and Team Cletus is having a very, very rough night. <laughs> Team Cletus, indeed. Mr. Clay Buckholtz, everyone buying in on him after, uh, you know, after that first start against Philly, freaking Philly, and now he's getting thrashed. Hey, let's not pretend that the Yankees have done anything this year up until tonight. They hadn't hadn't had a lead yet this season. So it's not like this was Martin's Road either. But he was my favorite tweet of the night. Somebody made a comment. They're like, now we know why Clay Buckholz's jerseys are always wrinkled because he has all of his hangers and whole plate. And I'm like, oh! That's really good. That's really good. No, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's so Buckholz. It's, it's not good. It's not good. And you know what? It doesn't bother me because obviously I don't have him on any teams. I still love that you put Cletus as your avatar, though. That's really, that's really the best. It is. It is pretty cool to, to. It makes me laugh when I see it. But I, I, you know, I said this offline to you. I don't know what's in the air today, but there was a lot of offense. I mean, Will Nieves had a grand slam today. Well, Will that's the thing. Nieves. It really stands out in today's era when when there's a big offensive day because, honestly, up until Sunday. There was nothing. I mean, so many shutouts, so many low-scoring games. Um, and I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining. I, I love it. But today was the offensive outburst. And honestly, it makes it – the way it used to be. I know. It really was. It makes it tough in DFS, though, because if you don't have some of those killers or at least one of them, like, you know, like a Miggy going off, uh, then then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have a hard time scoring. Uh, but I had I had Henderson Alvarez anyway, so my, I knew my day was over pretty quick. Yeah, there uh, was. I mean, if if the Red Sox don't score, if the Red Sox do play to run, it'll be the first day of the season that hasn't involved a shutout. That's the kind of scoring that's happened today. But you just and you would think, oh, it must have been because there's a bunch of number fives. There were a lot of aces that go, went oh, today. Yeah. I mean, opening day starters, Buckholtz getting shelled, Tillman got shelled, uh, Hutchinson got shelled. I mean, last night. Uh, Bumgarner got shelled. Kershaw got shelled. It's like this weekend, everybody just kind of woke up and said, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna hit." I mean, everybody yeah. was getting rocked this week. No, it was it was uh, much different from the from the beginning of the week. And you know, it, it's kind of shelled for him. Felix wasn't great. Five yeah. hits, eight hits, three runs. We'll talk about him. In fact, let's talk about some of the uh, injury news that's now come out. Um, the big one right now, the big injury that that hit the league was yesterday. Jan Gomes got his ankle just blasted by uh, Rajay Davis. Really unfortunate because Davis, you know, was just sliding in, just trying to be safe. It was a force play, so Gomes just had his leg there, you know, probably trying to take up as little as he could to make sure his foot was on home. Uh, and then Rajay just slid right into it. 
clipped it really good and ends up uh, with, a, I think, an MCL strain. It's going to be six to eight weeks. So that's tough. Roberto Perez is going to fill in. Obviously, in one-catcher leagues, you can live. But in two-catcher leagues, you know, you're going you're to start scraping. And um, obviously, in an AL, I'd probably just go for his backup because I doubt there's going to be much else. So I'd just go for Roberto Perez. In, in a mixed league, I think you're going to have better options uh, no matter what. And you might be able to go uh, go beyond Perez. What do you think of Gomes with the ankle injury? That sucked. I mean, I saw the play, and it didn't really seem like it was avoidable in any way. Uh-uh. It's just unfortunate the way it happens. And you really can't replace him. As you mentioned, and I'm thinking tout wars. I, you know, I don't have Young Gomes, thankfully, but I have John, I have John Jaso, and, and he's out. And I've got bids in to replace him yeah, this week because he went on the, when he went on the disabled. So I've got bids to replace Jaso, and, and I'm hope I had to put four bids in because – you know the Gomes guy is missing somebody else. There's, there's yep. another. There's somebody else that's out. But I put four bids in just in case. I mean, I'm scraping the bottom with the Bobby Wilsons, with the Ryan Lebarnway. That's what's out there. Uh, you know, JD Murphy. Yeah. And those are three of the four names. JR Murphy. I'm sorry. Those are the those are the guys that I have to put in there. Because hopefully this thing with uh, Jay, it wasn't a fracture with Jay, so so he should be okay. I'm sure you guys talked about it earlier in the week because I didn't get a, a chance to listen on Friday. You guys were Thursday. You guys were talking about Jason being day to day on Tuesday, and that was the case. But uh, as is often the case with the Rays, what happens one day is not the next. Same thing yeah. with James Loney. Uh, so it's really tough. It's almost like you know, just if you could throw somebody in there, or maybe it's six to eight weeks. I'm gonna say if it was three weeks, I would almost just leave him in my lineup and not take the big negative. But if you could find a guy that's going to get, you know, four or five at-bats a week, hopefully he runs into something. But do you think Santana's going to get any time behind the plate or is that, is that ship sailed? I really think that ship has sailed. I don't think they want to put him back there. I guess in a pinch, this is the best opportunity that, that is going to come to pass for that to happen. But I really think that they're committed to leaving Santana at first. And then they're just going to go with Roberto Perez and obviously call somebody up. Uh, looking at one of my mixed leagues in terms of backup catchers, honestly, Perez might actually be a better play than I thought. I mean, he's already got a homer, so he is showing up up near the top of the uh, uh, of the waivers on CBS. But, uh, you know, even in this mixed league here, now it is to catcher. It's garbage. I mean, you know, it's Josh Fegley, AJ Pierzynski, Tyler Flowers, Giovanni Soto, James McCann. So maybe maybe it is just kind of regardless of the league you're in, Roberto Perez, just go for that because you'll get the volume. Or if it's really bad and so deep that even like a Perez is owned, then like you said, maybe just leave it open instead of getting the random 0 for 4s from some total piece of garbage. Yeah, I mean, uh... I really can't say anything else. I was trying to think of if there's anything else that nah, I'm looking at. Tough. There isn't. It's really tough. Well, let's talk about Felix. I mentioned uh, a, a quad injury. And so, you know, he left uh, He left the game early with that. And, uh, you know, just tightness in his white quad step. Right now, he's expected to make his next start. But we don't really know. We, we just don't know what's going on. It was five innings. He wasn't particularly sharp. How much are you freaking out? I mean, what can you really do? I guess is is the is the real question because, um, you know, if there's no action. So in most leagues, you can't really do anything. I guess the the only question that we have then is, would you bench him next week, knowing what we know right now? Yeah, I actually would. I mean, this is he said it was the the team said it was a quad at first, and he said it was an ankle. And he said he did it early, and you know, to me, you have to worry about the push off. And I would I'd, I'll sit around and wait a week. 
because okay. it's going to be it's only going to be a one start week anyhow for him since he did yeah. it today. I'm okay. fine with sitting him out. I'm fine with sitting him out this weekend. Okay, he's got he's got the Rangers. Uh, so yeah, maybe you just say hey. I'll, I'll 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 take the shot here of uh, him not even pitching and maybe get somebody else in mixed league. It's probably easier because you probably have at least some something of an enticing option. And an AL only it'd be, it'd be tougher, but you know maybe you get maybe you get nothing there. Or worse, he goes out there at you know 65% or something uh, on his base and you know throw, throws like garbage. So I don't know. Uh, I don't have him anywhere. Um, I'd I'd probably be inclined to leave him in personally. But uh, there, there you go. We, we, we're on each side of the ledger there, and you can decide what you want to do. Um, mixed league, again, I'd be more apt to going ahead and finding somebody else. Another injury, Henderson Alvarez, uh, or not, not necessarily an injury yet, but he's having an MRI. Didn't pitch terribly well against your Rays today after a great outing to start the season against Atlanta. Um, you know, he's kind of he can be prone to, to poor outings because of all the contact that he allows. But this one was just not good. Seven hits, four runs, five innings, you know, just, just not great. Um, so they're going to go ahead and get him checked out. Hopefully the MRI comes back clean on his right elbow. Never had any injuries in the past, but that's, that's uh, really unfortunate. Uh, what about him? Are you going to start him next time uh, regard, regardless of it next week? No, I don't want to start him either. They were saying that David Phelps is likely going to be the guy that's going to come up in the rotation Makes sense. Uh, spot for him uh, to take over that spot. And I'd be more inclined to pick up Phelps and plug him in um, than with this. It really wasn't a good day in Miami at all. Uh, you know, Don, Don Kelly broke his finger. And so did uh, Jared Saltz, not Jared, but uh, Jeff, Jeff Mathis within an inning of one another. Don Kelly went to use two hands to field a, a one or two hopper and his, and his throwing hand got into the glove a little early and it hit him right on the top of his ring, his right ring Dude, finger, broke his knuckle. Same exact finger for both. And, and then same with uh, Mathis. He didn't have it. He didn't ha- he didn't hide his throwing hand uh, well enough. And something got tipped and went and hit him and, and did the same thing within 10 minutes of one another when I was watching the game today. So it's not like either it, somebody may have Mathis in a 12 team NL league. Sure. So you made it, and they were talking about Jacob Real uh, Real Muto coming up and being the second catcher here. They I were like also it. talking about Reed Brignac coming up, uh, being added to the forty man. I don't think he's on the forty man roster, but they were talking about Reed Brignac coming up and taking Don Kelly's spot, which would make sense. And then there was also the if if it wasn't going to be uh, Real Muto, it was going to be Jonathan Solano. Okay. Even Don, though they already Don have the other Solano. Yeah, yeah Don, I Don guess. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about him is the names I saw there. Okay, uh, so yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep an eye on on that one. That that'd be a big bummer on Alvarez. I'm starting to change my tune a little bit on him, uh, not because of you know I don't think he's a 2.65 ERA guy like we saw last year. I just you know you know how much I love strikeouts and the fact he doesn't get any uh, just leaves me less inclined to get him. Although I I routinely use him in daily. Uh, in the DFS situation, because he almost never goes up in price. And so I'm always willing to take a shot there, knowing I'm not necessarily going to get the Ks. Um, and that's probably why his price stays so low. But then I'll I'll roster him with somebody like a Scherzer, which is exactly what I did today. And obviously it didn't work out quite. And, as well. and the thing is, he didn't look that bad. The problem was the Marlins defense was not good today. They had a couple of, a couple of uh, uh, flubber balls where it hit the guy right in the glove and it popped out. You mm-hmm. happened to Yelich. Uh, we know how good of a defender Yelich is. Happened to him. It happened to Ichiro. Uh, there was a play where Stanton got uh, deked. Uh, forgot the runner was trying to come. Maybe it was Rene Rivera. And okay. he was uh, coming from second and Kiermaier single through the hole. 
And Stanton came up like he was going to throw home to Rivera and clutched, and, and Kiermaier had the whole play in front of him and just ran right to second base. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and then uh, Stanton's like, uh, and he threw it to he second, and he didn't get him. He didn't get him wow. because he clutched. And, you know, kudos to Kiermaier, man. He just, he just it's ground ball through the hole on the right side and really never let up and got into second base because of it. He's on fire, by the way. Um, in fact, you, you have a couple Rays that are just white hot right now, including Tim Beckham, Kiermaier, um, as Drupal Cabrera. Beckham comes in, has a big day today after being a pinch hitter, goes two for three with two ribbies. He's hitting 364. He pit, he's pinching with a home run and a triple this weekend. I mean, that's, that, that's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Vera had a big day, but that was just to kind of get him going because his three for four day put him up to 150. So that tells you. Well, and, and to his credit, though, I mean, and he was one of the flubber balls. There was one, uh, the Yelich dropped his. And then I think Ichiro did the other one. I think Why both the no flubber balls were him. I'm sorry. Why were there no? Well, because you know, hometown score. They're not going to give those guys errors. But it was. I mean, they both had to. They had to make efforts. They had to make efforts to get out there for him. And Yelich's case, he had to make pretty dash back, and they hit him right in the heel of the glove. The other issue was, uh, yeah, even in Rivera's case, I know we're talking about catchers. I know he had a big O for you. It was really tough to, uh, uh, you know, separate him from Jose Molina at the plate. But even some of his outs were being hard hit. There were a couple of them that he had a hard hit line right back to the pitcher. And there was another one uh, on Friday night or Friday or Saturday night that uh, that Adani Echeverria made a phenomenal play on. It, it was going to be a run, uh, his first hit of the and he jumped back and was able to get it as it was uh, a dying quail out there in the short center field. Nice. So he's had a couple of really strong defensive plays, taking a taking a couple of hits away from him. And you know that that may be an option for you if somebody has dropped Rene Rivera this week. Yeah, going back to the Jan Gomes thing, that he, he's hitting 150, but it's not a bad one. I think over the last couple of days, I've, I've watched this whole Miami series. I, I think the the bats, it's not dead. No, and honestly, you just can't freak out over one week. So, yeah, if somebody wants to cut him already and you're in a league where they were deemed worthy enough to be drafted, then that means, yeah, go out and t- maybe take a look at Rivera. Um, did you get a chance to see any of the highlights from Toronto and Baltimore today? Uh, I saw the Jose Bautista home run trot. That was spectacular. That was great. Did you see the Devon Travis hit that was called an error? That one really teed me off. I, no, I did see his home run. It was a, uh, no P- Pompey hit the home run that uh, you got, Pompeii, you're mixing sorry, them, Pompeii, which I did, yeah. which I mixed them okay. too, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there was this screamer out into right field to Snyder, and it maybe looked like he lost it in the sun, I guess. Um, okay. And then you know, kind of went over his head. It looked like a three-run triple to me. And frankly, the only reason I care is because I had him in DFS. But they called it a they called it an error, and I thought that was a bullcrap error, to be quite honest. Maybe that was hometown scoring, except they didn't they they weren't hometown scoring for Snyder. They were hometown scoring. For for Tillman maybe that was the case because he ended up with four unearned runs but uh yeah I thought that I thought that was a weak call to be honest speaking of weak maybe that's a mean transition but Jordano Ventura leaves another game with a cramp can we get this guy some bananas or something oh or my god I don't... by the way before the uh the confirmed it's real muto and Brignac are coming up for the Marlins oh, okay great so they're coming up but the, Ventura, uh, you know... the good news is the good news is Ventura pitched because for I mean I was legitimately scared when I saw him uh, in opening day. I oh, yeah. didn't think that was just a cramp. So he came out, he looked good today, but this time it was a calf cramp. By the way, let me say, uh, yeah, he, he reached over and then, you know, was grimacing for that. Um, once again, going back to that Miami thing, you know, if your league's deep enough, Real Muto as a Gomes replacement, I don't hate. I think he's a, you know, he's got some prospect love. 
Uh, he, he's shown a bat uh, every once in a while. He's not going to start, obviously, so you're definitely sacrificing some playing time there. Um, but if you're in a super deep league, obviously it'd have to be a mixer at that point. Real Muto could be your replacement for for Gomes. Anyway, back to Ventura. Another cramp. This one, this one, a leg cramp. Just come on, man. Uh, he pitched pretty well. Four four hits, two earned, uh, two walks, seven strikeouts, and five and two thirds against LA. Even a little uh, verbal battle with Mike Trout. It looked like Trout egged that one on, though. Apparently they'd been drawing before, but then Trout scored, looked at him, and probably said something uh, back to him. And Ventura didn't like it, and I thought it was great. I, I like that Trout is is talking some mess because he backs it up every single day. Yeah, that's that's not a wise move for for Ventura. I mean, that's it's kind of like uh, Angel Pagan talking trash to Derek Norris on Saturday night. What was that all about? With the pick throwing, your, pick your battles. You know, pick your battles, especially when you're half the size and then the guy's wearing body armor as a catcher. Don't, he, did you see the quote? Uh, the, no. the media quote at the end of oh, the game. When he called the Dennis Lynn. Yeah, Dennis Lynn asked, "You know, Norris, what was going on with Angel Pagan? Cover your ears if your kids are listening. Oh, he was just being a dickhead, is what he said." <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was it was true. That was the perfect perfect word for it. That is exactly how he was behaving. He didn't need to throw some gum at at Norris. I don't know what that was about. You know, apparently he's one of those. Uh, you know, they were calling him a master troll. Some I saw some San Francisco fans even posting it, calling him that. One of those guys who gets under your skin that you you pro- you're probably fine with it if he's on your team, but if you're playing against him, it makes you want to kill him. Uh, so I could definitely see that being the case with Pagan, who's hitting pretty well, by the way, uh, probably available in a lot of leagues. And I say, well, healthy, pick him up uh, in just about any format because he'll deliver while healthy. It's just you don't know how long he's going to be healthy. So jump on now because it could go away very quickly with Pagan. But anyway, let's talk about some week one observations. Now, I just finished my chat and I had a lot of questions asking if this guy should be dropped, you know, uh, Guys that are nowhere near being dropped, top ten, top ten round picks. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about, and we're not going to be overly swayed one way or the other by just a week. But we're going to talk about some things that we're seeing that maybe we're keeping an eye on, and we'll expound a little bit on the first guy we spoke about, Clay Buckholtz. Great in Philly, trash tonight. What did you see anything in Philly that was more than just Philly? being Philly um, and and so you can expect some good things that maybe weren't present tonight or, or was it were there flaws tonight and flaws in Philly but Philly couldn't take advantage of them how, how did you see it because I actually didn't see the debut honestly confidence I mean if here's the thing if you go back and watch that start the you know the curveball form was really nice tonight he threw an early backdoor curveball to Jacoby Aylesbury that was called a ball and it looked like a strike and body language wise you saw Buckholz kind of just like shrug his, like shrump his shoulders. Yeah. And then he wouldn't go back to that pitch. And it's, you know, he needs that. He's got to be able to have both sides. And that backdoor curveball is a dangerous pitch for him. Well, if he's not going to get that for a strike, then he's got to come in with it. You've seen the, the, some of the stuff when he's come, when he came in tonight in the first. I mean, for heaven's sake, Stephen Drew hit a home run tonight off him. That's oh, how yeah. bad things were. See, but that, I, that's the issue. And then I saw a tweet from Buster Olney said the same thing. It's like Scout says, if he's not getting that, that backdoor curveball, it really screws with him. And that, that's what I saw from that pitch, just the whole body language, that just that at-bat change. And then it just seemed like it just snowballed from there. Because he just started hanging crap, leaving it right out over the right out over the plate. Uh, a lot of this is where you know, this is where uh, who the hell's catching for them tonight? Oh, um, Hannigan, Hannigan. Okay. This is where Hannigan sets up, and then the glove moves twelve inches up, and then the yeah. pitch gets blasted out. You know all that stuff. 
you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a common theme uh, for Buckholz because it is it, it is something that fits a certain pitcher type that you see uh, that they've got the stuff to be dominant, but when things go when one thing goes wrong, it can really unravel them, and so that's why he can have you know two shutouts last year and five actually excuse me. Eight other starts of two earned runs or fewer, but then also have eight starts of five plus earned runs. So to go from guardrail to guardrail there, I think that that is something that can be more about uh, between the ears as opposed to anything talent wise, because I think he has shown that that he is talented. And I'm, obviously, I'm not a fan at all of his game, but it's not it's not for a lack of necessarily talent. I just I, I don't believe he'll be consistent. It seems to be because these mental aspects will get to him. And now Tanaka's blowing up. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, speaking of speaking of issues, Tanaka looks like hell. Tanaka blowing up again after a few innings where, you know, looks a little clean, maybe like things are going to get going. It's just doesn't look like he's going to be able to be – Tanaka just might not be able to be even a six-inning guy with this stuff. Um, the second time the second time around things, getting to him again, yep. and he only had – the first time through, he only had one whiff on the splitter. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a, it he's thrown 15 tonight. He's got one. He has two swings and misses all night in this game. It wasn't as good as Toronto, where he he legitimately was looking great for those first few innings, and then the second time through, uh, or, or I shouldn't say legitimately great. I should say he looked good. He looked solid. Looked like it was going to work. There were going to be swings and misses, and then it unraveled. This one has been a little bit more shaky from the start, and now it's unraveling in the fourth for Tanaka. And so I'm growing more concerned. I, I took some late investments in him because I thought. If he's pitching, he was, you know, at least going to be good, and that might not be the case. So that's that's a bit worrisome. I, I, I won't lie, but uh, you know what? It's it's still early. It's still early. Uh, next up on on the week one observations here that we just want to delve into is, uh, you know, we're seeing Car- Chris Carter and Evan Gaddis, two two popular Houston picks, supposed to be packing the power punch in the middle of that lineup. They're flailing early. Um, they're really not delivering what uh, what, what they're expected to. Gaddis with an 0-for-5, three-strikeout effort today in the extra inning game. And I think Carter actually had the day off. Uh, but, but you know, he, he's not necessarily hitting out of the gate. For me, this is just what you get with them. I mean, th- this this is just what it comes to, uh, with, with, with drafting them. Carter, one for 19 with eight strikeouts so far this year. They've both been garbage, but they'll both get hot and locked in, and they'll look like an MVP for three weeks at a time. I honestly think this is just a, a, a rough start, and it, it could have easily gone the other way. Gaddis is actually now 0 for 25 with uh, 15 strikeouts. That's that's a rough start. But, yeah, I wouldn't panic on either of them. If you drafted yeah. them, you just have to sit tight. You, you signed up for this. You really did. This is where I start slinging offers out. Just to see if somebody's like, ah, screw it, fine. Yep. I I'm throwing any offer I can out there on Kevin Ga- uh, Kevin Gas on Evan Gas because you know people were paying the price for him. Big I, time. I, you know, Todd Zola was out early on that driving it. I know Tim Heaney was driving. Uh, you know, paying, spending high picks on it. 
Yeah, same thing with Steven Sousa. I'll just throw him in. A, he's had a pretty crappy first week, too. Uh, but, you know, people, this is where you start throwing those things out. The worst thing people do is like, ah, no, I'm, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to exactly. ride it out. The thing is, man, when they're when they're down this low, the, the comeback's going to be huge. I was just talking to a couple of guys in email today saying, you know, I know somebody that's got Evan Gaddis and Chris Carter. And I was like, man, I know it sucks right now, but, but when these guys blow up, it's going to be huge be because – it's because of how de- how far down there, and still, despite those two big bats doing nothing, the Astros are still a three and three, right? Uh, along those lines. But yeah, this is this is the kind of time I love throwing out offers this time of year because I'm always advocating don't make trades the first couple of weeks of the season. That said, doesn't mean you have to you throw out stuff, and if somebody clicks nope. Then they click no, and that's it. Yes, yeah, um, I, I don't like to make trades early in the season. Yeah, I don't. But that doesn't mean I won't go out and try to try to better the team uh, via massive bargain. You know, I, I don't always go to Target looking for the the low priced crap that I buy. But if I see a value, I have to take it. So that's a, it's going to be the same with a fantasy thing. If this, they're going to give them away, and I'm not going to offer something that's insulting, but I'm going to offer something that is clearly shaded in my favor because they shouldn't be trading. I just want to see how overreactionary they're going to be. And if they're ready to pull the trigger, then by all means, those are definitely two guys, and even Souza because he had a lot of love coming into the season, and he's off to a pretty shaky start. And he might even be easiest to get because obviously doesn't have any track record. Record. And if somebody bought in on on the projections, they might be really pissed and think, oh, man, why did I even listen to those stupid projections on this rookie? And they might give him away for a song. So you should he's also check. Too, your- yeah, he's been too passive at the plate. That's in watching as a bat. He's taking too many good pitches early in the count. I'd like to see him just go up there and say, you know what? I'm going to get a first pitch fastball and I'm going to hit the crap yeah, out of it or, or, or look at a first pitch curveball and go up there. But he's falling. By- Sorry, I missed the last part there. What was that? I'm not even seeing the hard hit outs from Sousa. Even his outs are softly hit. And so, you know, he's probably just trying to find his footing as a rookie. I'm sure it's, you know, a bit nerve wracking. You just can't freak out on a guy like that. And, you know, again, the, the, the price that people will pay for some of these guys and then so quickly want to, you know, divest, I, I don't understand it. So sit tight on him. He'll be all right. I'm really not that concerned uh, with those guys. Now, on the other end, um, you can maybe sell high on guys at times. And Carlos Martinez could be that guy. He went out and had a very impressive debut. Six innings, two earned, eight strikeouts. Did a lot of two homers, uh, solo shots to Billy Hamilton and Jay Bruce. But, uh, you know, he they, they didn't really hurt him. He was able to challenge hitters, and, and they, they they punched back a couple different times. But it was in obvious, obvious situations where he could, uh, you know, absorb it. And, well, the first one – Gave them a deficit. It was one nothing. But the second one, they they just scored three runs. You would have preferred the shutdown inning. But uh, ah! the, the fact that he gave up that homer, it's like who cares? That, that that again, that is the right time to give it up. I, I'd much rather a guy give up runs right after we scored than than when we didn't. So the shutdown inning is the stupidest thing in the world. But uh, you know, he Carlos Martinez looked great. The changeup was there. You could probably sell high on this guy right now, but you might just be apt to hold because if that changeup's legit, then the league is in trouble as it relates to Carlos Martinez. He threw 22 of them today, 11 for strikes, got eight swings and three swings and misses on the pitch. Uh, In watching it, there's a couple he struck out. There was the swing, I believe all three swings and misses were plate appearance enders. 
Okay. And it looked good. The, the changeup looked good. I may have been a little premature in, in saying that if he's going to be this committed to it, 22 changeups, I don't think he threw that many last year. So if he's going to be that committed to it, uh, you know, kudos to him. But it that this is two starts now. I believe this this was his second start, right? No, no, I thought I thought it was his first. Maybe I'm thinking spring training. Maybe I'm thinking the end of his spring crazy? training start. But this is the second video I've seen this year of the changeup. I, I've Wait, liked it. No, uh, you might have seen him in the opener. He got an inning of relief. There we go. And he threw some changeups. And thank you. And he threw us a couple of changeups in that one too, and they look good. Uh, but the one, if you go back and watch the the MLB.com uh, video, it says you know Martinez strikes out whatever seven, eight, uh, whatever he had. But you go back and watch that, you'll see some of the changeups there and nice fade. Kept, kept it down in the zone, so it looked good. Very nice. So uh, I didn't get a chance to watch that one today. I was out doing some errands this afternoon, uh, eating lunch with the girlfriend. So um, I'll have to go back and review. I'm, I'm intrigued by him, of course. Martinez has great stuff, and the changeup is necessary for him to have big success. So if it was out, that that impresses me, and uh, I'll, I'll stay tuned there. I've got him in a couple leagues. Nothing crazy, not over-invested in him this year. Another guy that's getting names in the same division there in that NL Central is Jimmy Nelson. Uh, what did I say? Getting names? Getting attention. Uh, another name getting attention. Um, he, had a big, he had a big debut. I think nine strikeouts of the Pirates, and so people are really interested in him now. Again, this doesn't change my outlook too much. I think this is a guy who who can have great outings. I mean, he's got he's got the stuff to have some great outings, but he's going to have some some downs too. I just think it's going to be one of those up and down sort of things that he's going to wind up, you know, being kind of a mid-tier sort of guy. I think uh, I think he's better than the 4.93 ERA from last year, but not overwhelmingly so. I think he's I think he's kind of a, a high threes guy um, with some strikeouts. But not not great. Uh, I'd be surprised if he's if he turns a corner. It's possible, but my, my opinion isn't changed based on this first big start from uh, Jimmy Nelson. Yeah, you could put this under the the, the book of uh, you know competition if if we're gonna go back to the Buckles uh, versus Philly thing because this this Jimmy Nelson outing was against a McCutcheonless Pirates lineup. And, that and he set a career high for swings and misses with 17 in this game. Here's what impressed me, though. Eight off his fastball. That's good. Eight off the fastball, nine off the breaking balls, because he now throws the slider and the, knuck the knuckle curve. Yep. And if you want to go back and watch this start, I happen to sit down. Uh, I was listening to it when I was at the gym last night. Now that I have one of these 24-7 gyms, I just kind of work out at odd times. But I was listening to it, so I was like, hey, you know what? I want to go back and watch this game. Uh, when I get home. So I waited for the archive to come up. It was watching it, man. Some ugly swings on that knuckle curve. It's coming in 81, 83, and it plays really nice off that slider. Uh, so he still, you know, he throws, he tends to go for the, the low and away slider. He doesn't really try to backdoor it too much uh, when he's facing lefties, but just, you know, Eno's talked about it a lot. You can turn that knuckle curve into, uh, you know, make it like a changeup if you can't Absolutely. throw a changeup which Nelson can't, you know, turn that knuckle curve, get it some depth, and it looks really nice, man. Career high, 17 swings and misses off it. Really, I encourage you to go back and watch the highlights or go watch the start if you have an NLB TV subscription so you can check it out. But that's that was a nice picture of what Jimmy Nelson, what he what his potential is. I said in my prediction column, I said in my prediction column, Jimmy Nelson is going to be the most valuable fantasy pitch on that Milwaukee staff 
what I saw last night made me feel really good about that prediction. I was going to say that's a good start to, to that prediction because obviously um, in, in concert with that, his teammates have gotten off to some pretty wretched starts. What I really like about it too is the, is the eight ground balls to three fly balls. So I will go back and review that one myself. Uh, I am pleased by the knowledge of the knuckle curve because he yeah, had the slider and, and uh, fastball. They're, they're in place. They're, they're good pitches. If he's got a third offering that he can really do. Then maybe he does jump a level and all of a sudden we're looking at somebody with an upside of, of a, you know, lower threes ERA kind of a three thirty sort of guy. Um, so I'll, I'll see, uh, you know, I'm not going to change right out of the gate in terms of altering my, my notion on him entirely, but uh, one start in that look, that, that's good then. Well, here's a couple, you know, I've got a couple of uh, people today were asking me on Twitter, you know, who would you rather have, Jimmy Nelson or Willie Peralta? I'm still with Peralta. Okay, Jimmy Nelson or Drew Pomeranz? I love Pomeranz, so I'm sticking with him. All right. So I guess I, mean, I will differ I, a little bit. I like I like Nelson just because of the National League issue. Yeah. Uh, and he's just, frankly, he's just a bigger guy. Uh, I think Pomeranz, yeah. I'm a little worried about Pomeranz having the, the Jesse Chavez effect. Sure. And I, I can definitely see. So that's one thing I love about Nelson is that that workhorse capability. Pomeranz is pretty big, though, isn't he? Are you talking about compared to Peralta specifically? I'm talking about burn. I'm just talking about burn rate, about not having that that, you know, the uh, uh, the pitch, the what am I saying? Not the pitch, the pitch total, the innings and then having to step up and throw the amount of innings. Cause in, sure. in my head, see, last year, Pomeranz threw 69 innings. That, and that, yeah, so, that's my that's my concern. It's well, okay if he's gonna throw a sixty nine, is he really gonna make the jump to one seventy in a well, season? He'd be going from one fifteen to one seventy because he had uh, some in the minors as well. So he de- he did have one fifteen total minors majors. Okay, like, still a big you, jump. Yeah, if you discount, uh, you, you probably have to discount those minors ones a little bit because they're not as tough. So yeah, it would it would be a big jump. Jimmy Nelson definitely has that workhorse capability, uh, but I'll take Pomerantz over him right right now. So we'll we'll monitor that with throughout the season because I think those are two very intriguing guys. They have the stuff to kind of be, you know, they can be breakout kind of guys. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye uh, after one start apiece though. They're both out to great. Great starts. Let's add let's add shoulder issues on top of elbow issues for Henderson Alvarez. Oh great. That sounds wonderful. And by wonderful I mean awful. Man, what what, what when did you see that with shoulder? Just right now. According oh, to Joe Frasaro. That's terrible. Okay, well, stay tuned with Alvarez, folks. Definitely get him out of your lineups right now. I don't think I don't think he's gonna make his next start. Uh you might not be able to DL him yet, but just pull him out. Uh, all right, let's move on here. Oh, so another another big part of the chat was the discussion around Adam Adovino because Latroy Hawkins blew a save today. How quick do you think the leash will be out in Colorado? And another chatter brought up a, a good point, uh, even though it shouldn't be a good point, it is because of the way managers work sometimes. They have Raphael Betancourt and John Axford, two guys with closing experience, could they could they supersede Adovino and in, in replacing Hawkins? And the only reason I think that that's possible is because, honestly, from a baseball standpoint, Adovino works better as being your seventh, eighth fireman because he can come out and put out the biggest fires because they're often in innings other than the ninth. So I could understand it from that standpoint. But do you think there's a chance that uh, that Adovino could get moved into that closers role quickly because they're off to a decent start. Fair or not, they might react to the fact that they're off to a quick start. You know, 
it, this gets back to my Jason Grilly issue uh, last week when we talked. Colorado is not a contender. I don't care what they're doing this week. This yeah. is still not a good team. Agreed. Their primary job should be to inflate the value of relievers they want to trade. I don't think Otavito is one of the guys they want to trade. So keep- John Axford, certainly. Raphael yeah. Betancourt, certainly if you could try to find value. <laughs> so for me, if you can get Axford into the ninth inning and try to show that he that he doesn't flop again like he did with Milwaukee, like he did with St. Louis and Cleveland, or Cleveland, you know, was it St. Louis? Yeah, St. Louis talked to him about, hey, you're tipping See, the pitches they made and let's fix good. them. Yeah, they made him look good. They went to Cleveland and and burned out and didn't do well. He was terrible. Yeah. And I was heavily bought in on him because I wanted yep. I, I was getting saves much later and I was like, I'll just take him. Nobody wants him. Hey, there was a reason nobody wanted him. No, that's that's a good point. And yeah, that's probably what the, the chatter was thinking as well, is that you know, they might just go to these guys as a reason to try to flip them. Uh, it's funny that they have two forty or, or older guys with Hawkins and Betancourt, but Betancourt's out there getting it done early. So uh, you know, I, I could see them getting past out of Vino, I would still make my speculations on out of Vino because if he's in a league where you can speculate on middle relievers, then that's a league that you can afford to have him not get saves because his ratios and strikeouts will be good enough as is. One guy that I want to talk about who's been dominant two different times so far and, and might have me, you know, looking a little bit foolish early is Sonny Gray. This is a guy among the the more elite starters, or at least he was being drafted up there, that I wasn't, I, I wasn't agreeing with the market on. I thought he was a bit overpriced. Um, however, the the reason I'm not really changing my tune based on these two starts is because he's still doing the exact same things that I thought he would, which is putting up great ratios, but no real strikeouts. He's got seven strikeouts and 15 in the third innings, and that's just what I think Gray is going to be. It wasn't that I disliked him. I just didn't think he's a frontliner because the strikeouts aren't going to be there. I think they're going to be more in line with his 7.5 per 9 from last year as opposed to that 9.4 mark we saw in 64 innings back in 2013. Uh, You see anything from Gray to to believe that he should have been drafted as the top 20 starter the way he often was? Or do you agree that he was a bit overvalued this this, uh, draft season? No, I thought he was a bit overvalued. I, I didn't get any shares of him. He was gone before I, before I was like, hey, maybe I'm gone. Yep. Uh, so Ditto. that's kind of way, where he was. Way gone before I was considered. Right. And if you want, I mean, if you're drafting a guy there, he's got to have the ratios. He's got to fall into the wins. And he's got to have the strikeouts. I mean, for me, those are the guys that have to be the seven and a half, eight per nine strikeout yeah, guys. And he's not, he's not on that track right now. I think they gotta, yeah, they gotta be up near near a strikeout per inning, or be so good, like a Jordan Zimmerman, because I know he hasn't always been there with the strikeouts. Be so good with the innings and the ratios that you can trust him to go, you know, that that 200, uh, those 200 innings of quality ratios. Plus, for Zimmerman's sake, he's, his strikeouts jumped up last year. But even if they came back down, I can still trust him. Uh, I think a little bit more than Gray, because also can Gray hold up? for another giant season too. He had 219 last year. It was excellent. But I know there are some concerns about his size. He's listed at 5'11", which means he's probably 5'9". Um, so I, I don't know. I, I hate even doubting him because I really like him as a pitcher. I just thought that he was being overdrafted this year because I think a lot of people wanted Sonny Gray to lead their staff. He was the 20th pitcher uh, off the board according to Fantasy Pros. And that, that accounts for six different outlets of sources there. And that's just too high. He was going ahead of Jake Arrieta, Jacob deGrom, Tyson Ross, Carlos Carrasco, Gio Gonzalez, Michael Waka. I'd take all those guys ahead of him. Fair enough. 
All right, let's move on and talk about uh, Archie Bradley's debut. He, he he drew he drew the easy one. He got the that Clayton Kershaw guy in his opener, and I, obviously he's not facing the pitcher except uh, at the bottom of the lineup once, and it will easily dust him. But you know, in terms of uh, his team putting him in position for a win, it wasn't looking like it was going to be easy because you got to go up against Clayton Kershaw. Well. He looked a lot more like Clayton Kershaw than Clayton Kershaw did. Bradley went out through six one-hit innings, no earned run or no runs at all. Uh, but then four walks, six strikeouts. The four walks I think are very uh, instructive here. I think they give you a really good idea not to get too hyped on this start. The, the six one-hit innings—that's fantastic. That's because he has fantastic stuff. However. I don't think the walks are going anywhere anytime soon, and there are going to be nights where they create big problems. So before you go out and blow all of your budget on him, on Archie Bradley, I'd be a little bit careful because uh, I, I think he can be good. I don't know that he's going to be elite right away because of the, com- the command and control yeah. issues. 112 pitches in this start. It's 85 fastballs. Hey, when it's that good, you, you lean on it. 10 whiffs, 10 swings and misses on the fastball. The problem is... Two changeups. That is, so it was 85 fastballs, 25 curveballs, two changeups. It worked. It worked. I guess. It, I guess. I guess you could say he was effectively wild. Yeah. Uh, hey. Because he definitely. I didn't get to see the start. I mean, I, I, I watched one inning of it because it was on the team. It was on in the uh, uh, the gym. I didn't see that on the one inning of it, and he was the command wasn't all there, but uh, definitely. I mean, this the Bradley stuff. You and I took him last year in labor. We were believers in him. Uh, but you know there is if he's just going to be a fastball curveball guy, he's got to be on his game. I mean, he could have games like this, and he could have games like Clay Buckles. I mean, yeah. these kinds of things can happen. I don't care how good his fastball is. If he can't command ball. it, he, if he can't command it. Let's let's put him up against a St. Louis Cardinal team, ones that can really work guys over. You know, let, let's put him up against that and see how that works. Let's see how it works against uh, you know, I don't know San Diego. Let's see how it works against there and. Because I never pay attention to this crap. Apparently, Clayton Kershaw's kryptonite is Chase Field. Right. It seems like I was like, oh, wow, he's getting blasted. Everyone's like, dude, he always gets blasted in Chase Field. They, I never they, pay attention to where these guys pitch. I oh, don't yeah, they, they gave him the only bad start he had last year, really. That that seven-run shellacking, for whatever reason, he just doesn't have it there. I mean, they've got some offensive players, but they're not they're not a tough lineup top to bottom by any stretch of the imagination, but they wore him out. By the way, that's nine runs for, for Buckholz, and he's now out after three. And oh, three. ten. Uh, ten, nine earned, excuse, excuse me. Um, yeah, great. Great work there, Clay. Great, great work. <laughs> let's talk Team about another, Cletus, man. Rough night. Let's talk about some other young guys. Uh, a couple of teammates out in Toronto, the Baby Jays, Daniel Norris and Aaron Sanchez, both made their debuts this week. And uh, you know, Norris's was much better. He went five and two thirds, six hits, three runs, two homers, two walks, and five strikeouts against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. And then Norris against Baltimore. Really struggled, went three and a third, seven hits, three runs, two walks, just one strikeout, and also a couple of homers. That was yesterday when uh, Ubaldo Jimenez went seven one-hit innings, eight strikeouts, one walk. Do not pick him up. Uh, I, I really don't think you need to be picking up Clay, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. But about these baby Jays, so let's talk about Daniel Norris first. I think that he showed his start was a great microcosm of what it's like to be a young pitcher and, and how difficult it is. He looked great. For the first four innings or so, and then really started to struggle that second time through. That I mean, that's the fifth. Not too long. They're the most important innings, 
and they really should have just hit, let him go five and be done with it. They, they, they got a little bit greedy there. It's not like he was at 70 pitches after five. I think that they should have just been, been comfortable with five strong because uh, it would have been one run. They should have been comfortable with that and moved the hell on. Yeah, they, they left him out too long. That's what I didn't what I didn't like about it is you know even the radio guys were like, dude, why did, why is he still in there? Yank him out, and, and he's had good. Let him build upon some success. Exactly. And instead, they left him out there, and uh, that's when he gave up the the back to back jacks or the the what am I thinking of? He gave up the home run two of the the three batters there in the stretch when he had to, when he gave up the home runs. But I'm looking at. You know, velocity tapered off. If you look at if you go look at his velocity map within this, mm-hmm. you know, he was like 92, 94. Then he gets the pitch 70, and all of a sudden he's at 90. And then right there towards the end, he's like, oh, crap, let me see what I got left. And he got back to 92. But that's kind of where you know, the velocity really dropped off there. And overall, you know, 10 swings and misses, great. Eight on secondary pitches, even better. Yeah. So he, he's able to throw them. But the, the, to me, they left him in too long. Absolutely. They went on pitch count and not stuff. And then they made him pay when toward there towards the end of that start. It's it's just tough. It, it's tough to get through those two innings when you're a young guy, and and they should have been nicer to him as a team. They should have handled him better. I I agree that that is on the Jays there. Sanchez, first off, I I think that uh, you know there there is still a factor. I know they lost Cruz and Weeders isn't playing, but Baltimore is still pretty tough. You know, Chris Davis. Adam Jones, yeah. Travis Snyder's off to a great start. Steve Pierce, uh, even Alejandro Diaz seems to always have a good first week. That's usually about it, but he has a good first week. <laughs> I know Manny Machado isn't off to a great start, but he's still he's still not an easy guy to just mow down. So you know they still have a pretty good lineup there. So I think he gets Sanchez gets a little bit of credit for that, but the fact is he just wasn't good. Only three swinging strikes in his three and a third innings. He was not getting the strikeouts. The stuff wasn't crisp. Um, I could see some struggles throughout the the year for him. You know, honestly, the guy for both of these guys, really, I think they're going to just be ha- have some inconsistency. One or both could even find their way back to the minors. And this isn't just based on the first start. It's based on the fact that they're so young, so ridiculously young and don't have a lot of upper minors experience. Now, Sanchez has more. Um, but he only had 34 innings at AAA as a you know 21 year old last year. And they came up and was great out of the bullpen. But Norris skipped through everything so quickly that I just think that they're learning on the job, and I don't know that it's going to go great. I, I shouldn't say I'm worried about these guys because they, they, these starts didn't change my opinion, just that I don't love either of them in most formats to begin with for a single year. Same. I mean, I know we, we've got Norris in, in labor. Yeah, and we took him super And that was a reserve pick not? for us yep, because we not? had to pick up a couple of guys losing uh, Smiley and Cobb. And, and, and plus, if it clicks, the thing of it is, there's always that chance that it can click. But it's just such a low-value proposition uh, that, hey, if you can get them in the late round, you have to. You have to take chances on these guys because these, the, these are the kind of talents that, that really turn it around. But as it, as it stands for this year, I'm not asking them to do a lot. You know, that's a deep mix league right. that we took them in. Um, but, you know, 10-team mixer, if you, if you took the gamble for some reason, you can easily move on from these guys, maybe come back to them later, move on again. They're, they're streamable at, at best in those uh, shallower formats like 10 and 12-team mixed leagues. Agreed. All right, Jason, that's going to about wrap it up here. 
because uh, you know the, the simple fact is we could talk about more stuff, but our our, our tune just isn't going to be too changed based on the small sample. I, I'm I trying to think. It, is there any other observation that you had this week? You know, in watching some of this stuff, like hey, that really stood out to you. You know, it doesn't. It, it, Wainwright was amazing on opening night. And, yeah, and that and and I know I've done two podcasts since, but I don't think I really spoke about him. That did impress me because that's another guy I'm a bit I'm a bit cold on uh, because of where he was going. He might make me look really stupid. Like he he might he might not only be still the the 220 inning guy, but he also might get his strikeout rate back. I might look, end up looking completely idiotic on Wainwright uh, by season's end. And and yes, it was just one start, but yeah, that that did influence me a little bit. If there's one observation where I'm like, okay, I might have been wrong. For me, the, I've already mentioned that Nelson was impressive for me, but the other one that I really liked, and as I was talking about Nelson, one of my friends, Sandy, was like, hey, uh, go watch the Brandon Morrow start. I was like, oh, yeah. Hey, Dude, that, that kryptonite's pulled me in before. It's wrote me in. Right? It's burned me. But man, he looked good. The, the changeup looked really good for him. I wouldn't watch that start. Changeup was nice for him. Obviously, Petco's going to be sweet, but the Brandon Morrow start last night, impressive. That's awesome. I mean, that, that, that's good to hear because he's definitely someone that I wasn't really um, go, going for. You know, I, I was saying you really have to prove it to me. And one start isn't going to be enough to completely change me. But I, I got to keep an eye on it because the thing of it is with him, you do have to move quickly because he could always get hurt. And if he gets hurt, you know, obviously uh, you're not getting any more of that good work. So I'm still I'm still a little bit cautious with him, but uh I'm definitely going to – I'll definitely go back and watch that one too. So I'll watch the Nelson and the Moro, see if I can start changing uh, my tune much on either of them, and then we'll see what happens when they when they pitch again. They'll at least each have pitched once by the time we return next week. So yeah, that's we'll, your homework we'll, assignment, people. Go watch yes, those games. We'll watch them, and so that way you guys will know what we're talking about next week when we bring them back up to see how they've been doing with the uh, with the second start of the, of the uh, season. All right, Jason, until then, we'll be talking in about a week. All right, brother.